In our text tonight, we come again to gospel assurance, the general theme that we have been following throughout this series. The Apostle Paul argued in this passage for the objective basis for Christian confidence. That is, avoiding the subjective nature of our feelings, he comes to the objective basis for our confidence. In our text this evening, Paul made a summarizing statement that reminds us of everything that he already said. The Christian life is blessed. Christians ought not to live in that life in misery and frustration. The key word there is ought. The reality is we often do live in misery and frustration to the extent that we drift away from the objective basis of our assurance. But the truth is Christian people can lead a happy life. They can lead a life free from anxiety and care, worry. And they should lead such a life. For Christ has secured it for you. You can know that all is well with your soul. And that there is, as we have considered also recently, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Our text tonight is about the cross. It's about Calvary. That which our Lord Jesus did on the cross has effects not only for the future blessing of the people of God, but also for the people of God in the world. Our text speaks about having joy in God as a result of receiving the atonement that Christ made on the cross. This last verse in the series that we have been considering since the beginning of last month draws together all of the components of God's salvation to underscore our joy in God. Believers have the pardon of God and peace with him. That's the truth of verse 1. In verse 2, they have the hope of the glory of God. In verses 3 through 5, though we didn't look at those specifically in our series they rejoice in all the circumstances of this life, however adverse they may appear to be, because they know that they will not be ashamed when they have trusted in Christ. They know, as we saw in verse 6, that Christ died for them when they were ungodly when they were the enemies of God, when they were sinners. 
They know that the work of Christ secured for them the full extent of salvation, including, as we saw last week, reconciliation. So our text this evening is the capstone of this series, and it sets before us Calvary's word of joy. Calvary's word of joy. <clears throat> we don't tend to associate the situation on Calvary with joy. It was an awful place and an awful event that took place there. And in this chapter, Paul spoke about the role of tribulation in the life of the believer. We're going to have tribulation. We glory, he said in verse 3, in tribulations also. We glory in them. We joy in them, is what he's saying. They rejoice then in trouble. In the midst of trouble, they're happy in it. That is not to say that tragedy or illness or disease does not affect God's people. But Calvary's word of joy enables you to take life as it comes so that your emotional state is not the result of how well things are going in your view at any moment. When Christians move away or drift away from reckoning on that which they have in Christ, then they descend into gloom. It's a matter of unbelief. It's a matter of not resting in God, not trusting in God. And I well remember reading a biography years ago of Robert Dabney. And it was either Dabney or someone who was a colleague of his that used the illustration of trust to that of coming to a bridge that you have not seen before. If you come to a bridge and you're not sure if it's strong enough to support your weight, or in most cases these days, the weight of a vehicle, how do you gain confidence in the bridge? And he said it was not by sitting there and working yourself up to, into a state and saying, well, I have confidence uh, that the bridge, uh, the bridge will hold me up. I have confidence in it. No, he said, you look at the bridge. How is it built? And if after looking at the bridge, you still are not sure, what is the answer? You look at it more intensively. And he likened that to trusting in Christ. If your faith in Christ is weak, the solution to the problem is not to sit there and say to yourself, well, uh, I, I, I'm going to convince myself to believe in Christ. 
to rest in Christ. No, he said the solution is to look at him, to consider him, to trust in him. And Christ has given us every warrant to do so. In the previous verse to our text, as we saw last Lord's Day, Paul expounded the objective ground for assurance. We have been reconciled to God, he said, by the death of God's Son, even when we were enemies of God. And since that is so, since there was nothing about us to commend us to God, to cause him to reconcile us to himself through Christ, then we can never be lost. Because it is all on God's side. Jesus will not lose one of those for whom he died. Now the inspired apostle came in our text to a further line of application. The great truth that we read in verse 10 ought to produce joy in your soul. And when we talk about joy again, we're not talking about the giddiness that is associated with the charismatic delusion. The joy of which we speak is that blessed contentment, that satisfaction, that awareness that all is well because Christ has suffered for you. No, we don't play a game where we pretend that we're not sinful. That's not the solution. We don't play the game where we pretend that our hearts are not, by nature, rebellious against God. Because we know that they are. But let us not linger in that condition. Let us turn to Christ and to his cross, looking always unto Jesus. And in the words of Hebrews 12, let us consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest we be weary and faint in our minds. The world with all of its pleasures, its entertainments, its diversions, cannot give you joy. Cannot. But when we look at this word of joy from Calvary, then there are three elements of that word that we must consider this evening. First of all, Christ's achievement. Christ's achievement. The salvation in the life of Jesus Christ enables us to rejoice in God. Paul said, we joy in God. Not only so, not only is all that that goes before us true. Not only that, but we also joy in God. That is, he's taking it really to its foundation. Not dealing with all the individual circumstances, but we joy in God. The fact that we know God brings contentment. It brings blessing to our hearts. This word joy is the same word that we find in verse 2, where we read, 
We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in hope. We read it again in verse 3. We glory in tribulations also. We rejoice in tribulations also. Again, it is not to minimize the impact of tribulations. But the word has the idea of boasting. We don't boast in ourselves. We don't boast in our resources. We boast in the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 30. I remember many years ago now when we were still members of the congregation in Greenville, South Carolina, before I entered seminary, hearing Dr. Cairns preach powerfully from verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, that is, of God are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that, and here's the key, according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. He that boasteth, let him boast in the Lord. We do not glory in ourselves and we do not glory in other people, whoever they are and however noble they may be. We glory in the Lord. Christ's glorious salvation brought us satisfaction and enables us to rejoice in God. Ultimately, that boasting is the work that Christ achieved on Calvary. Here we come to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. And verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Uh, the part of that text that often gets overlooked is the end because if the world is crucified to you, that means the world is dead to you. If you are crucified unto the world, that means you are dead to the world. But the point of the text is that we boast in the cross. More specifically, in what Jesus Christ did upon the cross, what his achievement was upon the cross. Here's the source of blessing and contentment. It's the cross. It's the work that Christ did upon the cross. So the fulfillment of your desire for a peaceful life is in the cross. Most people 
want to know the truth about situations. I don't think there's anyone who says, uh, I, I would like you to tell me a lie. Most people want to know the truth. When they confront mysterious circumstances, adverse circumstances in their lives, they long to know what lies behind those circumstances. People who live up in the Rim Country, where the Veenstras and our sister Debbie have their place up there, uh, they're facing adverse circumstances. And many times people want to know what, what's behind it. Why, why is God doing this? When people suspect that someone is not telling them the truth, they want to know what the truth is. And they apply that standard to God. God, I want you to tell me exactly why you're doing this. But I've been reading through Job again recently, and it has struck me again that Job never knew why. He never knew why. God did not explain it to him. He never did. As far as I could tell, through reading through the book of Job, you never know why these things happened. God never said to Job, well, the devil was campaigning against you. So he never knew that. He, wanted, he wondered what the truth was, what the cause was for all these troubles. And that is often what we want to know. What's behind it? Why is it happening? But ultimately, this desire has to lead us to the cross. If Christ died for us when we were ungodly, when we were enemies of God, then we can rest secure in the fact that whatever happens in this life, we know that Christ achieved our redemption upon the cross. Yesterday, Mrs. Wagner was laid to rest in South Carolina. For 15 years, she battled against brain tumors, went through multiple procedures. If you've, if you've been in the church, you know that we've often prayed for her through those years, 15 years. And... We want to know why. But for her, as we heard yesterday, she came back to the truth that whereas she would like to be in control and be able to plan everything out, she had to rest in what Christ did for her upon the cross. When you consider the cross, you know the truth. That's the truth that God wants you to know. Christ comforts every anxious soul. If you were to pretend that there were no trouble in your life, we would say he's very foolish or she's very foolish because we know from our experience that there is trouble. But for Christians... The way of triumph is open in the midst of difficulties. Let us turn to the Old Testament, to the prophecy of Habakkuk, or Habakkuk if you prefer. Habakkuk, 
or if you want to be real strict uh, on the Hebrew language, Habakkuk, with the stress on the last syllable. The Hebrews often put the stress on the last syllable. Chapter 3, verse 17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. That is, the grape arbors are barren, they're empty. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. That is, no crop of grain, alfalfa or wheat or corn, whatever. Although the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. This is a picture of complete deprivation. But what does the prophet say? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. That's the way of triumph. David said that he rejoiced in the Lord when he felt the hatred of other people. We find that in Psalm 43. Psalm 43. In verse 1 of the psalm, he talks about the deceitful and unjust man, about uh, living in an ungodly nation. In verse 4 we read, Then will I go unto the altar of God, to the sanctuary, Unto God my exceeding joy, yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. Lean upon God, he was saying, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. So the word of Christ's achievement brings you to the question, what is it that makes you anxious? What is it that worries you? Turn away from reliance on yourself and rejoice in God and in the achievement of Christ on the cross. Because Christ's satisfaction of the demands of God's law is what he achieved on the cross. That's all we need. That's all we need to know. Martin Luther said that the Bible is a Christ-centered book and that Christianity is a Christ-centered religion. The core of Christianity is then the achievement of Christ on the cross. So now we come to the second thing to consider in our text. How do you enjoy the benefits of that achievement? Well, the answer is Christ's mediation. Christ's mediation. We joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom? We have now received the atonement. We'll get to the last part of the text shortly. 
Now we're dealing with that by whom or through whom. Several times in this passage, the first 11 verses of Romans 5, the inspired apostle mentioned the name of Jesus Christ. In fact, the name occurs nine times in these 11 verses. And in our text, for the second time in the passage, we encounter the phrase, through our Lord Jesus Christ. The full title. In writing to the Corinthians at the beginning of the first epistle, Paul used that full title six or seven times. I forget the exact count. Within a a space of about ten verses. What was the point? To emphasize the full nature of Christ's person. Through Christ. Through him, the joy fills our souls. Because Christ stands between us and God. And how can he stand between us and God? He has to be God and he has to be a man. He is the Lord. He is Jesus. He is Christ, the Messiah, the God anointed one. The scriptures emphasize the truth that Jesus Christ is God manifested in human flesh. 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy 3, verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Paul was saying, there's no argument about this. Without controversy, what was the mystery? God was manifest in the flesh. And any translation that does not translate in that way is playing dishonestly with the revelation of God. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles. Paul preached him to the Gentiles. Believed on in the world, received up into glory. Here is a a summary of the career of Jesus Christ. The one who took unto himself A true humanity. A human nature. Without sin, but nevertheless a human nature. And a reasonable soul. He is bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. We turn again to Hebrews 2 where we were this morning, but a little later in the chapter. Hebrews 2. And verse 17. Wherefore in all things. It behooved him. To be made like unto his brethren. 
that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people to be made in all things like unto his brethren so that he could be our mediator but without sin because he alone was not descended from Adam. He alone did not inherit the original sin. And as our mediator, he does the work of the three great offices of the mediator. He's our prophet. That is, he reveals to us the will of God for our salvation. He proclaims the word of the gospel. As our priest, he stands between us and God to offer himself up to God as the sacrifice for our sins and continues in the work of intercession. And then as our king, he subdues us to himself and advances his kingdom in our hearts. And really, I'm just taking language right out of the Westminster Standards, the Confession and the Catechism. Through the mediation of Christ, we have joy in this life. Through him, he stands between us and God. Think of Christ dying for you upon Calvary. Think of Christ living for you in the power of his resurrection. Think of Christ ascending for you. And think of Christ coming again for you. Here is his mediation. And what is the evidence of this word of joy from Calvary? That's the third thing in the text. Christ's presentation. By whom we have now received the atonement. Now, if you have a marginal rendering there for atonement, you may find that it has the word reconciliation. And indeed, the word atonement is the same word as the word reconciliation. So some have objected against the translators for making that distinction. But the translators made a deliberate choice to use this word. And remember again that the King James Version of the Bible was the result of a huge process of collaboration. They chose this word deliberately here, atonement, because they wanted to convey the full scope of this word for reconciliation. Reconciliation is part of the Old Testament concept of atonement. And the emphasis of the Old Testament is always on atonement by blood. Here's the cause of joy. It is the blood of Christ's atonement. What does that atonement do that we have received? It satisfies God. It propitiates God. Propitiation is one of those good 
Bible words that has fallen into disuse and disfavor. But Christ's atonement satisfies God. Christ's atonement rescues sinners. It redeems them. It purchases them out of the slave market. Christ's atonement brings his people to glory. That is how Kim Wagner is in the presence of Christ today. Because of Christ's atonement that she received through Christ. Christ's people have the knowledge of the pardon of God for all their sins. And they have the guarantee. As Job spoke it so long ago. That in their flesh, they will see God. And I think of Job, gone from this world for thousands of years now. And yet, here was his confidence. In my flesh, he said, I shall see God. He said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Not speaking there of his first advent into the world, but of his second advent. And when Job thought of those things, he thought, I'm going to be with him. And I'm going to behold him with my own eyes. This is what Christ's atonement brings to his people. So it is from Calvary, a word of joy. We joy in God. We rejoice in God. We are delighted in God. Through Jesus Christ, by whom we have received the atonement. There's every cause for us tonight. To rejoice in God. In spite of all the trials and adversities. In spite of all the wickedness that swirls around us. In spite of the campaign of so many. To defy God's truth. We can joy in God. Here's the ultimate part of this passage. We joy in in God. May God enable you to rejoice in Him. To draw your confidence from Him. You can look at things around you in the world and you can choose to be vexed and you can choose to be anxious or you can joy in God. It's a wonderful thing to be able in your mind to say, I know what the truth is. So I'm not going to let what those people are doing take my joy away from me. We joy in God. We have received the atonement. We are at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ.